You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. This is the Horizons Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josiah, and today I'm sitting down and I'm talking with my wife, Morgan. Morgan is here today. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Hi, Morgan. Hi, Josiah. How are you? I'm lovely. How are you? Wow. I don't know how to treat this, like, because you're my wife and you're you're not a normal podcast guest, you know? You don't you normally are, have you, your I wives mean, on here? I, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, given that you, you are... My only wife. I don't know. Ethan is kind of my podcast wife. <laughs> Ethan he's, he's been on the show before. <laughs> Shout, out, shout out to Ethan so it's not that It's not that abnormal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you're here today though. It's and we're true, here to I talk. Here. You are here. And, you know, for those who are listening and maybe don't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about Besides yourself? that I'm your wife? Yeah. Okay. That's the most defining thing about wow, me. Wow. <laughs> that is, you need serious psychological help. I cannot help you. Uh, my name is Morgan Pitts. Um, Hello. <laughs> the Pitts I got from Josiah. <laughs> it was a gift. <laughs> a marriage present, as he would say. <laughs> Go on. Why is that not okay? <laughs> that's No, that's great. Okay. I work um, for Fusion Technology as a contractor for the Department of Defense um, as a technical writer. And yeah, I live with Josiah. That's a full-time job as well. Wow. And uh, That's hard. We just, <laughs> we just adopted a little golden retriever puppy, and he is a blast and a half. Uh, so that's that's my third full-time job. I'm, I have three. <laughs> Wow, I love how I'm right up there with your actual real life full time job. You also take pictures. I do take pictures. <laughs> Wait, you want me to say something else about it? No, but, I mean, do you enjoy that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Morgan. Yes, just. You're also a writer, not just a technical writer, not just a writer of the technical variety. You say just as if it's not an accomplishment to be a technical writer. <laughs> well, you know, technical writing, I feel like, is very different from when most people consider writing, you know? Would yes, you say that's fair? I would say that is very fair. Like, what do you do as a technical writer? I edit and format documents that have mostly been already written. Sometimes we add some content to them, but uh, for the most part, it is attending meetings and talking to government people who are slightly less excited to talk to us <laughs> and uh, delivering things. <clears throat> so see, it's, there's the writing piece of technical writing. Sounds yeah, there's like not it's a lot of really, actually writing. It's not even real. In it. Fake well, job. It's, it's real. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's a very small part. <laughs> But it's a lot of like editing technical things and Correct. delivering them and then like the meetings you said. So you also are a writer of like essays and articles. So you actually were involved in a writing mentorship. And that's what um, I want to talk a little bit about with you today is that piece of what 
you're doing. So you're involved in a writing mentorship with an author named Lori Ferguson Wilbert. Yes. What She's was, amazing. What can you like just for fun, just give us a little background before we, we start into this on discussion. Lori or on, the, on the on the mentorship and, okay. and what all that. Uh, so Lori Ferguson Wilbert is a blogger. She blogs at sayable.net. Um, she's one of my favorite writers and for sure my favorite blogger. Uh, someone I've kind of followed for four years mm-hmm. now, maybe close to five years now. She's one of the only writers I read every single thing that she publishes. And uh, back in January, she put out an application for a writing mentorship program that she was leading. And I applied for it. And immediately after I applied for it, I said to Josiah, that's hilarious. Never going to get that, but there we go. (laughs) And um, by God's grace alone, (laughs) I was uh, one of the 15 people that she chose to to walk through this mentorship. Um, And it was a really great experience. It was uh, 12 weeks long and she you know, edited our writing for us and had us go through different exercises and uh, read a couple of different books and different articles, all with the hope of kind of shaping us into better writers or um, more care-filled writers, shepherds of words. Oh, yes. Eugene Pulled a Peterson Eugene Peterson says. quote. Yes. Yeah, that's why I married you. I mean, there are a lot of other reasons, <laughs> that's, but that's, that's the only one of reason, them. everyone, because <laughs> sometimes I quote Eugene Peterson. <laughs> so you went through that writing mentorship with Lori. What led you to your love of writing because I mean, for as long as I've known you we started dating back in 2015 you've been into writing and and as a matter of fact the big essay article piece I guess that you wrote for Lori's mentorship actually was published by Fathom magazine it was a pretty big pretty cool what led you to your love of writing where'd that start I think it just started with a love of reading when I was younger. You know, I always loved to be reading books. And the day that Scholastic came to the library was the day I was most happy in my life, (laughs) most fulfilled. (laughs) Second only to the Lord, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen. Um, Yeah, so just a a love of reading and uh, seeing that you could use words to to shape and mold different experiences, um, to kind of communicate what you want to communicate through them. That was very neat to me. Uh, my parents also really instilled a love of writing in me and really encouraged me in writing. When I was, I think maybe nine or 10, they gave me a hand-me-down laptop. And, uh, so I could, you know, keep all of my writing in one place, which was such a gift. Also because it made me a slightly faster typist, (laughs) (laughs) which is useful now that I'm an adult. Ah, yes. (laughs) Both of those things kind of from a young age kind of instilled a love of writing. Um, And then I don't think I really ever took it seriously until maybe until I went to Liberty when I had different professors kind of encourage uh, me in different assignments that I'd written, different essays that I'd written. Um, And so that was another thing that kind of pushed me along that path and and made me start to consider, you know, maybe I actually can write, maybe I'm not awful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So both of those three things, both of those three, three things. Both of those three things. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Well, here's a question. Because I think a lot of people think that writing is something that full-time writers do. Like if I'm not a full-time writer, if I'm not getting published, I'm not writing. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's not writing or they leave writing to the people that are published and are recognized authors. So do you think it's important 
to write regardless of whether or not you've been published and if so, why? I, I think that it's important for writers to write regardless of whether they're, they're published or not. And I say writers because I don't think writing is necessarily something that everyone should do or everyone uh, would enjoy doing. And so I don't think that, you know, everyone has to write or everyone should write. Mm -hmm. But for me, definitely, you know, writing for a long time was something that I did and never shared with anyone. Like it was kept on my computer, it was kept in a folder on my Google Drive and nobody ever read anything. Um, But it was such a means of, um, it was something the Lord used to kind of sanctify me in different areas of my life because um, I could write about things and then I would know, oh, this is what I think about that thing or this is what I feel about this thing that I wouldn't have uh, kind of put those two things together if I hadn't been processing it through writing. So as far as that goes, I think if writing is something that can be used to stir your affections for the Lord, people should do it whether they're read or not. Um, And then as far as like being published, actually a lot of my favorite writers have not published books. Mm -hmm. They're published on, on blogs or different online spheres, but they haven't written and published a book yet. <laughs> or maybe they, they're not planning on it at all. And that's totally fine. Um, so like, you know, Lori Wilbert, one of my favorite writers, she has not published a book yet. She's working on one, but she hasn't published <laughs> it yet. Writers like Abby Perry, she writes for Fathom uh, magazine and a couple of their different publications, but she hasn't written a, a full book yet. And I think a lot of people would kind of look at that and say, oh, well, you know, they're not writers. They're, I don't know what they would be, but... <laughs> But I do You're think they're very writer. writers. Yeah, <laughs> not, not real life. They're playing at it. But yeah, I don't think you have to do something full time in order for it to be um, something that you do and enjoy and do well. So being a writer is not contingent on even being necessarily it's published or recognized. It's something that if you're doing it, you would say you're a writer. You know, the movie Ratatouille. <laughs> I mean, I'm the familiar. The Disney film. <laughs> um, well, in Ratatouille, there's this line that's quoted all throughout the movie, and it says, anyone can cook. Um, and then the end of it is like this, you know, crescendo moment when this awful critic who has, you know, hated on this phrase, the whole movie kind of comes to this conclusion um, in his final piece. And he says, I didn't understand then when I was criticizing the the phrase that anyone can cook, though what was really meant by it was, you know, not everyone can be a great cook, but a great cook can come from anywhere. Hmm. And so I would hesitate to say that, you know, just because you write that you're a writer or in the same way that, you know, if you can pick up a, a guitar and strum two chords, you wouldn't necessarily call that person a musician, even though they are technically Mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. some form of music. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. So I think there is a level of craft and skill that needs to be honed before you can call yourself a writer, which is one of the reasons why I kind of hesitate in calling myself a writer, just because, you know, still very new to it all. And <laughs> I don't think that I've been faithful long enough, you know, to put that title on myself. So yeah, does that make sense? It does, it does. So let me ask you, when you write, do you write for the reader or more for yourself and then go back and say, oh, I'll make this kind of easier to read for a reader. Um, I think for most of my life, I wrote for myself. And when I say most of my life, I mean pretty much every moment of my life until like February of this year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All of my writing was for me. It wasn't really for other people to read, you know, unless 
you know, I was writing an essay for a professor, but even that was a little more self-focused on, you know, what I was learning and that sort of thing. So now that I've started to kind of publish some of my writing on a blog, you know, there comes this moment where you have to think, oh, will a reader understand what I'm trying to say? And, and now that uh, now my writing has to be viewed through that lens um, is what I'm saying. going to encourage the person who's reading it to know the Lord more fully and to, is this aspect of God's character being accurately reflected in my writing and would somebody see that if they picked it up perhaps not knowing all of the nuances in scripture that I'm I'm hoping to to pull together yeah because I mean I do think there is a even in the difference between writing in you know my journal versus writing a sermon oh I have a really good example of this um, even in the writing mentorship that I went through, um, the last assignment that we had, which actually ended up being um, the article that was published by Fathom, we you know, turned it into two of the other people in the mentorship program with us to read and edit um, before we would send it off to Lori. And so I you know, wrote this article that was really you know, very personal, which I'm sure if, if people have read it, they can see that it's pretty personal. <laughs> you know, and I talk about the my family kind of recovering from or walking through the stages of grief with my aunt and my uncle's um, death. And in that article, I never mentioned their names. I never said how my aunt died, how my uncle died. I never explained any of those circumstances. And I think at the time it was just because it was too painful to write about. But then whenever I got feedback from the two other writers in that course, their questions were, you know, like who died? How did they die? We can't really make sense of this because we don't understand the context behind it. Um, and it was that moment that I kind of learned, you know, I was writing for myself. I wasn't writing for them to have a full understanding of what I was talking about. So that has been something that now most of my articles are kind of written through that lens that I'm so grateful that they were able to be honest with me and able to share that kind of tough criticism on something that was mm -hmm. pretty personal at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's another side of writing that's kind of daunting because I think depending on which circles you run in you hear this idea that you just need to separate yourself from your work like you know like don't don't take criticism personally like that kind of a thing like they're not criticizing you they're criticizing the work which I think I could buy to a degree but I think there is something like when you're when you're really trying to put your heart into anything not just writing but into piece of music or you know if you're making a meal and I mean you really put your heart into it and then someone criticizes it you've put a little yourself into that if you've really put your heart into it and I don't see how you divorce those two necessarily I don't think it's as cut and dry as people want to think yeah no I agree um, with you how do you think and you you hinted at this a little bit earlier when you were talking about how you you ended up falling in love with writing to begin with but how do you think reading intersects with writing in your mind in my mind they are so interconnected that you can't really you can't really be a writer if you're not reading I don't think some great writer could disagree with me on that I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> but you know in my mind it's kind of similar to you know if Zach showed up at the church and was like I'm a you know worship leader and someone said oh well do you listen to worship music and Zach said oh I don't listen to worship music I'm just a worship leader we would think he was insane <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of the same thing with writing, if someone comes up to you and says, oh, I'm a writer, but I don't really like to read. I'm not sure how those things can coexist. Mm -hmm. And maybe they do. Maybe I'm young and naive and I don't know much <laughs> about the world. For me personally, I think reading, 
number one is just enjoyable. I've, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't <laughs> if I didn't have <laughs> books to read. But um, number two kind of shows different voices that I want to learn from, that I'm inspired by, um, that I want to emulate. Not plagiarize, but you know, right. work yeah. toward you know having a voice as clear as as theirs. Thinking of like people like Frederick Beekner, you read his writing and you are <sighs> yeah. like moved. You know, mm-hmm. just and you know, you sit down and you read his his writing and you just wonder like, oh, well, how did he, how did he shape this sentence to make it you know such a punch in the gut? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then you can kind of start to say, okay, well, I can kind of fit some of those same principles in my own writing. I can make this sentence short and punchy instead of long and flowy, and maybe it'll have more of a an impact because that's something that Frederick Buechner did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Different things like that. And so for me, I think reading fiction and nonfiction, because I'm primarily, you know, almost all of my writing is nonfiction. You know, I'm writing about different things in my life, but they're actual like real life things that are happening. It's not uh, fiction, unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Um, but I think nonfiction can kind of help us to see how the different kind of mundane, everyday moments of our lives can be beautiful because writers, mm-hmm. gifted writers have a way of putting things creatively and beautifully that kind of help us to see live, our lives more beautifully. I say again. <laughs> <laughs> but fiction as well, and actually I think fiction is more fun to read <laughs> most, most of the time. Because you're kind of brought into this story, um, and when it's told in a story form, I feel like it's a lot um, harder to have defenses up against the writer or the characters or what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so you can process things that are happening in your own life through the eyes of these characters going through totally fictional circumstances. And then you feel things, I think, a little more deeply uh, when someone is experiencing something. You're like, oh, that's something that I'm experiencing too, but I hadn't thought about it like that. I think a great example of that is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, the the scene where, you know, Aslan is, you know, sacrificing his life for Edmund. And, you know, when I was a kid, I read that and I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. Edmund's alive. Go team. Go Aslan. Um, but then as an adult, when I read that, I mean, I just cried. And you can ask Josiah. I'm not a... <laughs> Morgan, I'm the weeper in yeah. this marriage. <laughs> that's so true. But yeah, because you, you see the the gospel threads in that and just how meaningful it is because it's it's a story form of something that, that you've experienced. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of comes out of the realm of, you know, oh, Jesus died to save you, you know, which is great yes. and good. But, you know, like I'm thinking, I remember my mom reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to me. Oh, I'm sure you cried when you were six because you, know, you just and I remember totally understand all of the distinct things. feeling of outrage <laughs> I had that Aslan had to go die in place of Edmund. I was like, "That's ridiculous! Edmund needs to go and pay the price for what he's done." That little twerp. And then you know, my mom is explaining like, "Well, no, that's what Jesus did for you. Like you're like Edmund." And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> and it does. It does. I think it kind of brings a new perspective on ideas and thoughts that you had, and kind of changes your heart. And then that, in turn, shapes how how you communicate. I think. And how you try to present that idea to the world. And you understand, like, if these things move me in this way, like you were saying, then maybe I can do something like that 
and help people understand in the same way. Yes, or even not just reading so that you get more ideas, which I think is something that is absolutely valid. Um, And I think it's great to get inspiration from different writers, but also reading just to experience a story can have profound impacts on on your emotions. And I think if you're living well, you can be writing well. You know, if I'm not... What? I said that's tweetable. (laughs) (laughs) If you're living well, you're writing well. Horizon Church Twitter right there. Look for it, guys. Follow and fave. Retweet. And, wait. Yeah, you retweet. Yeah. On yeah. Twitter. Yep, yep, yep. I know Twitter things. <laughs> so what have you found to be particularly helpful to you as a writer besides like what we just talked about was reading? Like if you're going to give some practical advice to someone, they were sitting down across from you at a table at Starbucks like, Morgan, I... I want some a little bit of practical help knowing where to where to get started with writing. I wanna I wanna see if that's the thing for me. What kind of things might you say to them? Uh, well, first I would say that Lori Ferguson Wilbert is hosting <laughs> another writing mentorship this fall. Holla! This episode is not sponsored. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I mean it's it's hard to talk about writing without you know talking about that mentorship because it had such a profound impact on me. So yeah, that's one one thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that has been super helpful to me has been writing for Horizons Resources. And the reason that has been so helpful is because with every piece that gets put onto Horizons Resources, it goes through an editing process. And actually one of the things that I started doing um, during the mentorship, you know, Lori encouraged us to find a couple people who would be brutally honest with us and actually be able to say, hey, you do have the gift of writing or, yo, you do not have the gift of writing. Sorry to burst your bubble, but Mm -hmm. maybe try something else. Um, Or, you know, this sentence did not flow or this thing that you thought made sense really doesn't make sense. Or, oh, you're Mm -hmm. not being faithful to the word here and different things like that. So when I was doing the mentorship, I asked Stephanie Kearns, who writes for Horizons Resources and is a very good friend of mine, also a technical writer for Fusion Technology. Though we <laughs> do not work closely. You know, we, don't, we don't even work in the same building. So, but, um, but anyways, I asked her to be one of those people for me. And if you know Stephanie, you know that she excels in the role of being brutally honest, but in some <laughs> way that is still so encouraging. I don't know how she does it. It's a gift. It is a gift. But anyway, so that's one of the things uh, she actually is the one who edits most of my pieces for Horizons Resources. Josiah tried once, but he is not a brutal <laughs> editor because he's also my husband. Um, <laughs> I'm a little biased. <laughs> uh, so that's something I would maybe encourage people to do is find find those people. Those people will not be your husband or your wife. Darn. Those people will not be your mother or your best friend probably. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you have really brutal friends because <laughs> they, they won't tell you the truth. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll say, wow, that was so great. That You're was such a great article. Person. You're an amazing writer. I don't have anything to, you don't have any way to improve. This is just the top of the top, which is not helpful to anyone <laughs> sure and just isn't. not true. So Stephanie is one of those people who will, who will edit with honesty, a real look, a real hard look. <laughs> In a very encouraging way. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, have you picked up any writing like habits? Do you have any habits of writing that are like a rhythm of writing, like anything you do on a regular basis to help you with your... So every day, except for weekends, because I'm not as disciplined as I'd like to be on the weekends when I could be sleeping in, I try to write at least 300 words. Usually it ends up being a little more than that. 
but have to at least hit that 300 mark. And then, you know, from there, kind of piece those different puzzle pieces together into different articles. Actually, a lot of the pieces that I publish on my blog were not written. Like I didn't sit down and say, oh, I want to write about this X, Y, Z, and then type up an 800 word article on that topic. They were pieces from the 300 words that I wrote every day over like a month. Um, So like on a random Tuesday, oh, I wrote this little thing, which actually somehow matches with this thing that I wrote on Thursday of this week. So all of those things kind of get put together and then kind of tied up. But if I hadn't been writing those things um, on a consistent basis, wouldn't really have much to pull from. So yeah, so that's a habit of writing. I also subscribe to poetry.com I think is what it is they send a poem a day to my email and I read those and so some of my 300 words are just kind of based on a line from a poem that I thought was really profound um then I kind of go from there or music that I'm listening to yeah or something profound you said the night before wow I am a (laughs) sayer of very profound things thank you for recognizing this (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. There's some stuff in there that's applicable to all of life. Having a deep well to draw from. If you're living well. I don't know if it's that that's deep. That's good. I like that. I like that. That's a, that is tweetable. Living, if you're living well. Well, if you're living well, content. you can do a lot of things well. Wow. Yeah. You know. Good content. You're living well, you're preaching well. There you go. Wow. Add that to your. Wow. Your repertoire. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Post that on your sticky note board. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, no, but you have a quote like that in your office, do, right? Um, what a what a pastor is oh, on no, his it's, knees. It's, well, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, you I'm got it. Finish. Yeah, yeah, you what got it. What a pastor is on his knees in his study alone, that he is and no more, right? Close. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Shoot. It's John Owen, and he said, what a man is on his knees in secret before God Almighty. Mm. I that forgot he the God Almighty part. Very and important. No more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's some good writing. Read good writing, folks. And... Write stuff that's worth reading. There you go. And Morgan does that. Oh my gosh, I forgot to add in when you were talking about the people who are not published but are still writers. Yeah. I was going to say that I think um, a lot of books that are written in the evangelical Christian book market, they should have been blog posts or they should have been tweets. One million percent (laughs) accurate. Zach, keep that in. Leave that back. No, but I do think that. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> well, and uh, Jasmine Holmes. Do you know Jasmine Holmes? Do yes. you follow her? She wrote a book when she was in her early 20s about being a, a biblical wife at home or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, as she has continued in, to grow in her writing, she kind of said that that book follows her around like a dark shadow that shouldn't have ever existed because it should have just been a blog post. Mm. So that is very scary to me because I don't want things that I write to follow me around when I don't agree with them very much anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. And I mean, I think if you do write, even if it's just in a journal, you have a track kind of of how you've changed over the years and remember what the Lord's been doing in your life and all those things. So it's very good. It's very good practice. Glad we have good writers like you giving us good content to read too mm. and I'm not just saying because I'm a biased husband he is saying that fathom, he's a biased husband fathom published so just saying just saying well that that's all the time we have for today so I cut I cut her off I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble when I get home 
I could just tell. I just know it. Why? How can you tell? I don't, I don't know. Are my eyes giving it away? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, thank you for listening. Thank you, Morgan, for being willing to talk to me You're on welcome. the podcast. Anytime. <laughs> and if uh, you have any questions, <laughs> you want to ask Morgan anything else about writing or life or anything like that, and you want her to come back on and talk about it, email that question to podcast at horizonschurch.net. And you can also su- subscribe on iTunes and leave us that honest five-star review. That honest, honest so honest. five-star review. Just make sure that you are brutally honest with your friends who are writers, but don't be brutally honest on your podcast reviews. No, Just give them five stars. Because your friend Josiah and your friend Morgan are You know what also really helps podcasters? Leaving a review with yeah. your words. Leave so, an honest five-star review with listen, your five-star you words. Wanna, yeah, with your five-star words. If you want to practice writing while also helping the podcast out, do some of your writing in a review. That'll help wow. people to find the podcast. And um, yeah, it'll be very honest since you'll give us five stars. Yeah. You guys are great. Us, as if I am part of this podcast. That's, besides just a guest you this are. one time. You're here. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, we're done!